Well, good morning. I'm Tim, for those of you who don't know me, and uh, it's good to have you with us this morning. And uh, just to even back up for a minute, uh, you know, many of us are in and out over the course, except for us, maybe, are in and out on a Sunday morning. So just to remind you where, we, where we've been, um, and, and we've really been looking for land or a next step for us as a campus for close to two years. But really, even back before we announced Shawnee as a campus, I was driving through Shawnee, uh, looking at all the possibilities, and so this has been a, this has really been a four-year-long, uh, actually a four-and-a-half-year-long um, process. And and kind of right after Fourth of July, we had uh, this building uh, right at Shawnee Mission Parkway in Flum uh, made available to us not just as a lease, uh, which what we found in the process of searching for a lease is that they're, they're enormously expensive and don't make a ton of sense for us as a, a church, um, and that this building was actually for for sale. And so we took. Uh, or I took a good month or so to, to think through that. We, in August, uh, took that to the land team. Uh, the land team felt good about taking the, this is a next step for us as a campus, to the elder team. And in early September, we took it to the elder team. And, and kind of in God's providence, uh, right as we found a really unique building opportunity, our downtown campus also found a really unique building Opportunities that they like us are a campus without a long term home. And so the elders then were, were not just thinking through us and our very important need for a long term home, but also our downtown campus need for a long term home. And so we have spent September and October uh, praying through that because that would be an enormous step to take a step with, with not just one building, but two um, buildings. And at the end of that two months, uh, two months process, prayer, discernment, uh, I can get up here and say 100% the campus pastors, senior pastors, and elder team are full go to purchase a building both for us here in Shawnee as well as a building for our downtown campus in downtown as well. <laughs> yes. And to be clear, like there are many steps ahead. Now what we do is now that we as an elder, senior pastor, campus pastor team are in unity we now take this to you as a congregation. We're a congregational church. The congregation votes um, on this. Uh, Andrew will talk more about how we're going to do that um, um, uh, in, a few, in a minute. But uh, just to let you know where we're at in the process, we have, we have begun the process to try to get both buildings under contract so we can have a more clear financial picture to give to you guys. Um, uh, depending on uh, purchase price as well as, as some due diligence, we still like we feel need, still need to do. Um, once we have that, we'll give you kind of the full picture. Um, but we've already done a good deal of due diligence. I mean, we're, this isn't a we're not just guessing here, um, and yet we're not quite ready to to lay out what the um, what exactly the cost is going to look like on this next step. Although that will be coming um, very very soon. And so, as I said, like the next step really is for us as a congregation to spend the next month praying, discerning. Uh, and, and asking God, is this right? Is this the right um, next step? So there are a couple things that we're going to do with that, and Andrew is going to do Yeah, that. so our next step as a, as a campus is to kind of get together and spend some time in prayer, to have a space for questions to be answered. And so a couple important dates that uh, I want you to mark down. One you can put in pen, one you can put in pencil. So in two Sundays, the that would be the 18th, we're going to have what we're calling our campus vision night, which is, and we're going back to where we started. We're going back to Maranatha uh, for a dinner together. It'll be a time of really celebrating where we've been 
for the last four years as a church, but also kind of reflecting, dreaming a little bit together where we're going. And it's really an opportunity for all of us to be pulling in the same direction as we make a next step as a campus. This will be a a space for for you to get more details for us, especially as those come into focus over the next couple weeks, but really a, a chance too for you to have to to have questions answered um, so that we're, we're together on where we're hoping to go as a campus. So that is uh, the 18th, 5 to 7, Maranatha. I'm working on childcare for our littles, 1 to 5-year-olds. But everyone will be together for dinner. We'll probably do, I'll probably have an RSVP coming soon. So we, if you were here for Chiefs and after church last week, you know that everyone took a box of pizza home because I ordered way too much food. Uh, so ho- ho- we'll, we'll be doing uh, RSVP to get numbers on that. So that's, that's the 18th. And then two weeks after that, and, and this is the one you mark in pencil, uh, is Sunday, December 2nd, is we'll have our sort of special congregational meeting. That's all five campuses together at the Olathe campus, uh, particularly for a vote on what we're on on these two opportunities ahead of us. The reason it's in pencil is because we we're, we're not under contract on either building yet. Um, we just there's there are still steps ahead, like Tim said. So so mark that down, and then please make make it a priority the best you can to be at both of these. I I really wouldn't want you to miss uh, our night together in two weeks at Maranatha. Um, come vote, uh, for sure. Um, so th- those are a couple things that are happening. Tim's going to tell us a little bit more about why he's excited for this space. Yeah, and, and even, uh, I mean, just, I recognize, like, we're, there's a lot being thrown out, and we could spend the next 40 minutes talking about this, and you would still have questions. So just know, we have, we have a long time to, to think through this um, together. This isn't going to be a, a fast, um, a fast uh, process. But, but one of the big moment changes for me, why this began to make sense was in, in, uh, in early August, I actually was at a church that, that had converted a retail space into a church space and it become their place of worship. And so we have some pictures up there to give you a sense of, like if you're thinking like, oh, we're going to an old Hobby Lobby, like we'll, we'll put the worship next to the picture frames or like where will all the doilies be? Uh, is that, do they have those? I don't know. Uh, Bring your 40% off coupons every Sunday. So I'm just, oh. it's, uh, but uh, so we... Uh, one of the cool things about retail space is high ceilings, and it's, and it's, it's an open box. So we actually have a lot of freedom to begin to design and think out what it is um, that, that we want and what, what we want um, to do. And a lot of churches have begun to do this because, especially at our phase where we're still, you know, think of us as kind of like we're newlyweds, and your first home was, was the first step you took. It may not be where you live long term, but this is a really cost-effective way to take a first step to get us into a, a beautiful place um, to, to worship. And so that's... That's one reason why uh, uh, I think, this, this didn't just think, like, I began to get really excited about um, this as, as our next step. Yeah, and that kind of, the picture of the home is what actually gets me the most excited as I think about having a space that we can call our own home for our mops ministry, for our women's Bible studies, for razors, for, uh, for other classes that we might want to do for our students. Students, we would have our own, I mean, it's been great meeting in basements, uh, but, and I don't mean to disparage that, there's been very, a lot of generosity in opening up the home for us to meet as a student ministry, but we would have our own space. Those types of, uh, those types of realities of having a place that we call our home as a church family can be really excited, along with being, being able to have a missional uh, spot right in the middle of, of Monday spaces, right next to Planet Fitness and Blind Box and Blind Box. Okay, we're right next to Blind Box. 
so, so re- there's a lot that we're excited about. Again, we, I, I could probably talk all morning about this space and why it gets me energized, but there's space for that. And right now, what, we, what re- we're really asking for everyone, and we're doing ourselves, is just spending time in prayer for this. This is a big moment for us as a whole church, not just for us as a campus. Um, our downtown campus has needs, and, this, and everyone's going to have to share the load, and it's an opportunity for our entire church to move our mission in Kansas City forward in some pretty significant ways. So, so this is a time for kind of our whole church to pray together, and to that end, I want to spend just a few moments now um, together praying for these opportunities, and then we'll, we'll move into kind of what we have next for our time of worship together. So if you would, uh, bow your head and let's pray together. God, thank you that even while some of this may feel, it feels a lot, like a lot or a surprise potentially, God, none of this surprises you. You are, in, you are fully in the driver's seat in total control with perfect wisdom and timing. And so, God, we're so grateful that we can come and lay these needs and opportunities before you as a God who is strong enough and wise enough and good enough and loving enough to move your mission forward uh, no matter what, no matter what the obstacles, God, you care about your church far more than any of us ever could. And so we, we pray now for your wisdom. Would you give us the mind of Christ as we make decisions in the coming weeks as a, as a congregation, um, as we together um, just face a moment that will require faith in you, not faith, faith in nothing else, but in your ability to provide, and in the promises that you've made about what, who your church will be in this world, we want to be, we want to be that church that is, that is op- opening its doors wide to this city, that is proclaiming the good news of Jesus to Shawnee and Lenexa and Overland Park and Mission and Miriam. God, in this part of our city, we want to do that work, and we want to be about that in every neighborhood of this city. And so, God, we pray as a, as we face these decisions as a whole church, as we, as we uh, look ahead to these opportunities, God, I pray that you would give us wisdom, and we trust you. We want to trust you more and more. Uh, thank you. Thank you for this moment. God, these are some good problems to have as a church family, and so, God, we, we are so grateful for who you've made us to be as a campus, and I pray for these next coming weeks uh, that you would show up in big ways and that we um, we would be a church for the good of your people and, the, and, and for your glory in the city. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would stand, uh, we're going to continue to worship through the reading of God's word. Our, uh, our scripture this morning is in Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, everyone a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the people of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, continuing uh, that conversation, given, given the moment we're at as a church, it's pretty rare that we'll... We'll move out of a sermon series and, and throw a new one in in a couple of weeks. Well, that's what we did. Uh, because we want to spend the next three weeks talking about bold faith. 
that we want to be a church of, of bold faith. And I want to start, start the series by, by asking a question I've been thinking about this week, which is, is, what would you do if you had no fear? If in the next decision that you're going to make in your life, you decided your fear was not going to play a factor in your decision-making process, what would you do if, if you weren't afraid? One good example of that happened on June 3rd, 2017, when Alex uh, Honnold, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that name right, I tried to find it, I couldn't, but he was the first person ever to free solo climb El Capitan at Yosemite National Park, which is, is that, 3,000 feet of granite. And free solo climb means he climbed it with no rope, with no help, just him, just him, like that was it. Um, and it, it looked like this. I had a friend, there's actually a documentary movie out right now on this called Free Solo, uh, that's in the theaters, and I had a friend who was going to see it, you know, just, they, they filmed him climbing this mountain, and I, like, I was so afraid just him talking to me about, about this guy doing this, let alone, like, going and watching a two-hour movie of this guy doing this incredibly insane uh, thing, like, just looking at that picture makes me want to throw up, and yet he did it, he climbed it, four hours, he climbed El Capitan. It's probably the most amazing athletic feat um, in, in history. I mean, to do that is an is incredible, incredible feat. And he had fear in the process, and he had this interesting quote that's in the movie about how he processed his fear uh, as he climbed. Here's what Alex said. He says, you will always feel fear, but over time you will realize the only way to truly manage your fear is to broaden your comfort zone." Now, I will never climb anything other than the seats to get to where my seats are at a baseball game at Wrigley Field. That's it. That's the only thing I'm ever going to climb in my, my life. And, and yet, when I, like, when I hear that, I, like, that's how I want to live. Right? None of us want to keep this really small circle comfort zone for life, and we never expand, we never broaden, we never do something hard. And yet it's easy to, to live driven by fear. For those of us that are parents, it's really easy to parent with fear as our primary motivating factor. It's easy when we think about our work and vocation to let fear be what drives our work and our service. That when we think about the community, the, the city we're a part of, the culture we're a part of, it can be easy to let fear drive what we think, and this is an important week in our country this week, is we'll vote on Tuesday, and it's, it's, politicians have learned the primary way to motivate you to vote a particular way is to, to exploit your fears, to make you afraid. Well, and I, I just want to ask the church a question, and again, don't, don't think of this is about buildings necessarily, but just in general, what if, we a church, what if we were a church full of people that lived not out of fear but out of faith? Where it was, it was our faith in God that drove us forward, that, that made us, that was the, the, the defining factor in our decision-making process, and not fear. What's interesting about Alex, who climbed uh, uh, El Capitan, is, is they, they did an MRI of his brain, and what they found was he made, like, the part of his brain that, like, causes you to be afraid and not do certain things, that may not work for him. <laughs> like, maybe, maybe not may not, it doesn't work for him. Um, or at least some neurologists are complaining. And, and I was thinking about this week, and that, I think to some extent, like, that's true for us Christians as well. 
Once you, you take up life with Jesus, the part of your brain that activates fear should, should slowly die away. And not in an irresponsible sin. Like, don't go too far with this, okay? But hear me out. And, and here's how I want to talk about faith through this story, Numbers 13, um, in three ways. Three ways, like, if, if, you, if you take faith seriously, the fear part of your brain just dies out. Because <laughs> of three things about faith and bold faith. And the first is that bold faith remembers. Now, Numbers, it's not a popular book in the Bible. I'm guessing you probably haven't read it very much. There's lots of long genealogies. It's not particularly interesting. But this is a, this is a watershed moment in the Bible's history. And that, that if, if you start at the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis 12, God goes to a man named Abraham, and he makes Abraham three promises. Abraham's an old man, and God says to Abraham, first thing, you're, you're an old guy, but I'm going to give you a son. You're childless, but I'm going to give you a son. It's promise one. Promise two is that, that Abraham, even though you're old and childless at this point, that son is going to become an incredible nation that's going to bless the whole world. Like through, this, through your people, the whole world is going to be changed and, and blessed. And so Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus, the first three books of the Bible, detail those two promises coming true. God gives Abraham a son. His name is Isaac. He's born in Genesis. And then all through Genesis and Exodus, you have this, this family becoming a nation. And those two promises have been fulfilled. But the third promise that God made to Abraham is that, that not just that there would be a son and a people, a nation that comes out of this son, but that he was, God was going to give this people a land to live in, a home, a place to grow and to flourish. In Numbers 13, they are... They're standing at the border of that land, and God is preparing them to go and, and be a part of the third, the third part of that promise being fulfilled. And so we read that. So Moses tells uh, the people of this nation to go and look at the land God has, has given them. And I want to read more of that, starting in verse 17 of Numbers 13. Moses tells them, go, go and look. And here's what he says. He says, go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is. And whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the, the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruits of the land. Now the time of the season was of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Sin to Rehob near Lebo Hamath. They went up to the Negev and came to Hebron. So there's two things in this passage I don't want us to miss. One is, is an objection we kind of have to deal with, and the other is a question. And the objection is, is what's happening in this passage is there are people who live in this land of Canaan, and God is, is telling his people, you're to go and you're to, draw, you're to kill those people and drive them out of the land. And that's really like... To modern ears that doesn't like violence or war, like that sounds really difficult. Like God, a part of God's plan was to, to take out these people of the land and to let Israel go in. And we're like, well, that sounds bad. And, and here's the thing, and, and we can't get into all this history here, but the people that lived in this land, they, did a, they were just like, they were violent, wicked people. And in another place in the Bible, God made very clear that he waited until they were, they, their sin was full and the, the full allotment of their judgment was made right, and, and then he was going to send his people in the land. In particular, the people here in Canaan, they actually sacrificed children. 
It was a part of their worship was they killed their own kids. And so if you ever want to know what does God think of people who kill children, Numbers 13 is your answer. He takes their land and he, he, he kills them. That's, that's what God thinks about people who, who kill children. So that, that is, listen, that's an objection. There's a lot more to say about that. But that's the reality is uh, these people are being driven out. But, but more than the, an objection here, there's also a question, which is, if God has promised them this land, why does he tell them to go and spy, spy it out? Go and look at it. Why not just give it to them? And there's lots of, there's lots of reasons why. And we'll talk through a couple this, this, this morning. But one is, uh, we're told at the very end, it was the last word I read, that they, they went up into the Negev and they came to Hebron. And to most of us, Hebron probably does not mean particular uh, particularly very much, but it's a very, it's at the center of the Bible story from Genesis through Numbers. So Abraham, after God made a promise to him to give him a son, to give him a nation, and to give him a land to live in, then Abraham goes, he lives in Hebron, and he builds an altar to God in Hebron. And during that time, Abraham's wife Sarah dies, and Abraham buries Sarah, his wife, at Hebron, and later Abraham dies and wants to be buried next to Sarah, and Abraham is buried in Hebron. And Abraham's son Isaac, he also lives in Hebron. He travels around, but he lives primarily in Hebron, and he dies in Hebron, and he's, in, he's buried in Hebron. And Isaac's son Jacob spent time in his life in Hebron. At the end of Jacob's life, he was living in Egypt, and he made his sons promise him that he would take his bones... And take them to Hebron. And so when God tells these 12 12 spies to go into this land, he's saying, go back to the place where where this all started. Go to where your grandfathers are buried. Go to your family cemetery plot and, and reflect. Everything I said to them has come true. I was faithful to them. I was faithful to Abraham. I was faithful to Isaac. I was faithful to Jacob. Go walk the land they lived on. And I get, like many of us probably have a place like that in our life. Um, for me, it's, uh, it's not so much the place I grew up. It's more, uh, it's more southern Indiana. In a couple days, uh, many of you remember, it was a year ago, my, my grandfather passed away, and he's buried in a cemetery in southern Indiana. And when I, when I go to southern Indiana, particular Bloomington, Indiana, where Indiana University is, which this time of year, it's beautiful uh, to be there, the, the leaf colors, all that. But when I, when I go to Bloomington, it's not just, it's not just a place. It's where, it's where I spent my time as a kid, where I, you know, spent time with my grandparents and holidays on the lake with a boat at football games, watching basketball games together, eating together, right? It's, it, it's a meaningful place to me. We all have them. And when God says to these 12 spies to go into Hebron, he's saying, go, go to that place. Remember what I've done. Remember how I was faithful to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And so as we think about faith, being a people of faith, you cannot, like the first act of faith is remembering. Bold faith remembers. And so I, I want to define, faith is like a religious word. It gets thrown out a lot, leap of faith, have some faith. Uh, I want to define faith for us. And I thought a lot about this, um, and I like my definition. Uh, and here's what it is. Faith is trusting in the promises of God and living out those promises no matter the cost. 
And when they walk into Hebron, like it's, they have every bit of evidence. God gave Abraham a son. God gave Abraham a nation through that son. And now the question is, what about the land? Because in the land, there are, there are bad people. Um, we'll, we'll look at this more next week, but there are giants. We're told, basically a violent, warring people. There are uh, uh, cities that are well fortified. And what I find really interesting, when, when Moses tells, him, tells them to go and despise the land, he, he, he starts with the land. He says, go look at the land. And then he mentions the people. And then he goes right back to the land. And then he mentions the cities. And then he goes right back to the land. In other words, listen, there are people and cities in there. That's not what you're to look at. That's irrelevant. The giants, the challenges, the, the things that will make you afraid to fulfill and live out God's promises are irrelevant. The land is relevant. And get some grapes and eat them. Right? Go in, grab some grapes, and taste the promises of God. And so as we start a series on faith, I, like, I want to ask, like, do you remember God's promises to you? Because for us, it's not like, listen, we're not saying, hey, like, you know, the equivalent of Canaan is the planet fitness. No, we're not saying that, okay? What we are saying is that all of us, there are, there are incredible promises God has made to us through the gospel as his people. Do you believe them? Do you remember them? And do you live out of them? Just a few, quickly. One, God has promised you in the gospel forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us all unrighteousness. Do you believe that? When you pray to God, do you believe that through the gospel your sins are forgiven? You don't have to earn your place before him anymore. Jesus earned that place for you. Do you believe that? Do you live that out? Or when you, when you sin, when you fail, do you wonder, does God love me? Does he care for me? Will he forgive me? Listen, live out that promise. Another promise that God has made is that he promises his people his presence. And there's lots of places we could go. My favorite is Isaiah 43, where he speaks to his people. He says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. God does not promise you no flames or rivers or fires. He promises you his presence in all things. Do you believe that? Whether you feel that or not, do you believe that God is with you if you are his people, if you are his person? Do you believe that? Do you live that promise out? And thirdly, and most relevant to us as a church, Jesus has promised us his authority, and his power. And today, listen, like we live in a day when, when in our culture, like Christianity is losing cultural influence. It's like that's, there's little question about that. The culture's turning away from the church. And many Christians, like, they're just talking scared, and I don't get it. Like, I, I don't care if we win elections or not. I don't, I don't care what the, the mood of the culture is. Like, Jesus was very clear about what he was going to accomplish through his church. And it was his parting words to us in Matthew 28, where he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always into the end of the age. Which means we as a church are commissioned with the cosmic authority of Jesus, and he promises his presence with us, which means as a church, as we are on mission, we should never be afraid. doesn't mean that things are not worth fearing, or there doesn't mean there aren't real challenges or real giants we face in our own day and age. But if Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth, and he promises to be with us, why are we not more bold? Why are we so afraid? 
Faith is living in line with God's promises, trusting them and living in line with them. And the choice in number, thir- number 13 is really clear. You can either live in fear or you can live in faith. And if you're going to live in faith, you have to start by remembering God's promises, centering in his word, what he's spoken to us, and living that out. So bold faith remembers, number one. Bold faith is responsible, number two. And in, like, in other words, like, I, the end of the sermon is not going to be, listen, the Lord gave me a word. We're going to all free solo climb El Capitan later. We're not doing that, okay? Like bold faith is not dumb, and it's not stupid. It's, it's responsible in that. Um, um, just think back to that question again. Why does God send these 12 spies into, into the land? And I told, like we just talked about a second ago, in verse 17, Moses lays out three reasons. I want you to go in this land. I want you to look at three things. I want you to look at the land. I want you to look at the people. And I want you to look at the cities. Now, again, as he, as he laid that out, he, want, he said, I want you to look at the land, the people, the land, the cities, the land. Like that's, that's the order. And that's very intentional by, by Moses. But faith does its diligence. It's not eyes wide shut. In other words, like, when I, even when I say it's like a church, we shouldn't be afraid of the broader culture. I'm not saying there aren't things that are pressing against us that are real problems that we really have to deal with. I'm not saying that. Faith isn't shut your eyes and, it doesn't, and, and everything will be okay in the end. No, faith sees the giants, sees the challenges, lives in this world eyes wide open. And it forces in that a choice. As we look at the real challenges that we face, the giants, the, the well-fortified cities we have today, Faith forces a choice, which is, will I live out of the story of the promises of God? Will that be what centers me, what directs me, what drives me? Will I live out out of his resources and his stories, or will I live out of my resources and my story? That's why I define faith the way it is. I want to go here again. Faith is trusting in the promises of God and living out those promises no matter the cost. Faith always costs. And faith doesn't blind us to those costs. Faith brings us to that cliff's edge to say, trust in God's promises and eat the grapes or go die in the wilderness. That's the the choice of faith. Eat the grapes, take bold steps, live with God, or, or die in the wilderness. And both choices are hard. Faith doesn't offer an easy choice and a hard choice. It offers two hard choices, all right? Attack the giants. Go after the well-fortified cities, believing only in the promise of God, because you can never do this or die. Faith always makes the stakes higher, and that's the challenge that they, that they face, ultimately, is when they look at the, the well-fortified cities, the people in Numbers 3, they recognize, we can't do this. We can never attack the city and win. That would never happen. The only way we can take the land is if God does it. And as we'll see next week, that's why they decide we can't do it. That's next week's sermon, but I do, for a moment, like I, you know, as I said a second ago, four years we've looked for land building, all that stuff. And when the building was first brought to me, second week in July, and, and our real estate person who'd worked with us for four years said, I think this is a really good opportunity, you need to look at this. I would have told you there was zero chance we'd be here today with everyone on the same page, everyone ready to take. Because this is a big step of faith we're taking. Um, and not just us, but downtown as well. And, and not just for our church to be ready to take this step with us, but, but two campuses, to take this step with two campuses potentially. Like, I, no one could have done that. 
And again, like, listen, we want to be really clear. We, we take each step saying we think this is what God is saying. And he could say no at any point, and we're okay with that. We're okay with that. But this is, like, this isn't, like, I have tried to live out of my own resources to get us into a long-term home. And what I, what I found is that was all irrelevant at the end of the day. And what faith calls us to is yet a responsible look at the world in front of us, the challenges we face, the things that are hard. It doesn't diminish those things. It doesn't deny those things. It just says that's, that's not what the center out of which we live. We live out of the promises of God. Bold faith remembers. Bold faith is responsible. And thirdly and finally, bold faith it risks. And I, I want to say this again. I, I want this to be abundantly clear. That we are not, in this series, we have, we're not saying that Christ Community is Israel and these two buildings in downtown Shawnee are Canaan. We're not saying that. They're not giants in the building we have to go kill later today. It's not, it's not what we're saying. Um, but here, we do feel like we're at a major crossroads moment as a church. We feel that. And one of the reasons we're here is, is because uh, 12 years ago or so, and really from the beginning, we decided rather than being one large regional church and investing our, our resources primarily in one part of the city, we wanted to be a church planning church and invest our resources all over the city. And that is, that's more expensive. And the moment we made that decision, we put, we put only hard things in, in front of us. And, and, and no one anticipated two buildings at once for two of our campuses. No one planned for that. And we feel like we're at, we're at a crossroads moment either to go and, and take a bold step of faith um, or die. In the wilderness. That's what we, I mean, as leaders, we feel like we're at that moment. And, and as we think about that, we want to be clear. Like, this isn't the first crossroads moment that Christ community has faced. And even though many of you, your history with Christ community only goes a year or two back, um, we want to tell some of that history this morning because God has been exceedingly faithful in ways that we never planned for, we never thought of, which is why we just trust him in this step. We, we trust him to provide. The Christ Community started in 1988. Uh, Tom and Liz Nelson, actually it's like a mile from here is where they first lived, uh, in Lenexa. Christ Community started here in Lenexa. Uh, we are in Lenexa on this side. You cross 75th, we're in Shawnee. Here we're in Lenexa. Um, but they moved here, and no money, no people, no church building, just them. And their young son, uh, Schaefer. And Solomon, he shared a journal entry with us, and it, it reads almost word for word the way my journal entry reads, pre-Shani, which is he went right to Psalm 127, which says, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. And Tom just said, like, God, if you have to do this, I can't. In fact, Tom was, uh, he was given a letter just before church planting that, was, was, uh, that encouraged him not to church plant. They said, you, you're a good pastor, you're not a church planter. You'll fail if you church plant. I mean, truly, like, this is a work of God. Christ Community is a work of God. Ten years later, uh, Christ Community had been meeting in a middle school for ten years in 1998. And uh, we've been committed to church planting from the beginning. And, and Christ Community had planted a church in Romania. And, and they're meeting in a middle school. They're trying to build on the land uh, that they had. And they were, fa- they were faced with a choice. They had about 50000 in the bank. And the choice was give to our church plant in Romania, which gets them a building. And we don't get a building or hold on to the money for us so that we can begin the process of building. And on Thursday, the elder vo- elders voted uh, to give the money away to Romania. And four days later, Tom got a check in the mail, unexpected, for, for $500,000, which became our Leewood campus, that building. Totally unexpected, totally an act of God, unplanned for, crossroads moment, and God 
fulfills his promise. And in 2006, uh, when we became a multi-site church, when Olathe campus was, was born, um, we weren't like looking necessarily to become multi-site. We had thought a little bit about it, but it was a faithful church in Olathe, um, some amazing people who came to Christ Community and said, we have a building. Would you think about being multi-site? Could we give this as a gift to you? Again, God showing up, not our idea. There's generosity. The building's given to us. And, and 12 years later now, there's about 1,000 people that worship in that building. Um, our, we just built a new sanctuary uh, there. But again, like that, we didn't plan for that and put a great, ten, you know, great diligent plan. And this is, what, this is what we did. And this is how, no, it just, God popped up and we, it happened. God was faithful. And then in 2010, as the economy was collapsing and, and the church was in a hard moment financially, someone came and said, I believe in church planning. There's a building in Brookside. I think, I think we should plant a church there. There's no real evangelical churches in that neighborhood. I'll give you uh, some operating expenses in the building. Um, and the church, well, Christ Community had to decide, in the midst of economic turmoil, do we still take this step of faith? And we took that step of faith, and today Brookside is, is a healthy church, 500 people or so on a Sunday, Sunday morning. Like, God has been faithful again and again and again. And today, this morning, we are a church of five campuses, and two of which, and you're at one, uh, are homeless, don't have a home. And here we are. Like, we've been looking for four years, and God finally, he doesn't just drop a building for us at this moment. He drops a building for downtown so that it can't be easy for us again. Like, God, is, he's never, faith is never easy. And we wrestle with that. Do we? Two buildings is not cheap. One building is not cheap, let alone two. And and do but, but we believe both campuses need home. Do we take that step? And and we say yes. And I say yes. And I want to talk about that. And I want to be really clear why. Because I think it'd be really easy for us to say, yeah, we need a building for us. You know, so Tim, you don't have to set up and tear down so much. Andrew doesn't have to set up and tear down so much, so that that we can have a place to call our own. And listen, that's good. I don't want to not have our own place. But that's not why we're doing this. The moment the church begins existing for itself and to satisfy ourselves, that we're dead at that point. It's over. And that's one reason why, why when Missy and I wrestled through, like, do we stay at Christ Community and plant a new campus or go to an existing church that we really loved and had a building and had a healthy budget, lots of people? Do we start something new or do we go to something established? One of the reasons why I was compelled to stay here was because Church plants, if they don't become about, the, about other people, about welcoming others in through the gospel, we, you die. You don't keep existing because you don't have enough people to exist when you begin. And so you, ha- you, you either keep going and, and stay committed to Jesus' mission to welcoming others in through the gospel or you, you die. And I wanted, I wanted to be forced with that choice. And so as we make this move of the building, I want to be, this is not about me having an office, not having to set up and tear down anymore. It's not about a building for us. It is about other people that we want to welcome in to our family. Because here's the deal. Anytime you want to have a new friend or someone you want to welcome into your family, my guess is you don't invite them to hang out at a middle school with you. Or if you do, let me know. I'd love to, how does that work? Um, <clears throat> But that's a, And as we have thought, what excites me about this step as a building is not about what it does for us. It's about what it does for others. That in particular, people who have no church home in our community. And listen, I, I thought when we launched, meeting in a school would be better for people who don't have a church home or don't have gospel community. And I, that's not true. That's what we've learned. This week even, uh, a couple of people who were invited to church here said no because it's in the school. And I think that's weird. Um, I think about someone who invited a couple moms uh, into the MOPS program for us. And because of a, it was a drive to Olathe, they said, no, we can't, that's too far. 
So we, we, this is a step for them, not for us. But more than that, I think about our partnership with Advice and Aid. And as we've met with leaders from Advice and Aid, one of the key gaps Advice and Aid feels right now is that the Bridges program does an amazing job of educating and caring for women in that two-year process. But oftentimes, those moms are not connected, those families are not connected into a local church. And we've tried to work at that. One, we've had moms. Uh, we invite moms to mops. But again, they have to drive to Olathe. Um, we've hosted dinners for them. We host for Thanksgiving uh, dinners for them as well. So we've done a lot. But the reality is once we have a place that's a home, then we, we're not just inviting, we're not just meeting them in a neutral space. We're inviting them into our home. We're, we're deepening those relationships, those ties. It creates an opportunity to, to not just know people, but welcome them into our, our family. We need a home, and that's not for us. It's for others. And so that's one, like, listen, that's one reason why, but, but as we think about who we are as, as a church plant and why I'm here, why, why I feel called to this, this work, and, and, and where I want to close us for this, this morning is, is I love church planting and I love what we're doing together for two reasons. One is a lot of churches are weird. It's okay, you can laugh at that. You've been there. You've been to those churches. Maybe you're at one right now. I don't know. <laughs> but, and what I mean by that is it, like, it's so clearly about the people that are already there. The church I grew up in where I was baptized, the last like, official church thing I was at with them was a meeting where a pastor was getting fired and elders were being weird and uh, I would say dishonest and divisive. It, just was, it was weird. I was like, you got, if you want to have fights over that, that's your, you know, your thing. I'm not going to be part of that. And then the new church we went to, early on, the, the student ministry, all the high school students, they had their own friends. They didn't care about other people. They had their own deal. No one else was welcomed in. And it just, it just, I, that just didn't make sense to me. Churches are weird. I, I like... You can live a long time as a church and not care whether or not other people join you. Um, but if we do that, we die. If we, don't, if we do not stay focused with the culture of hospitality, we die. And I'm okay with that because I want to be on mission with Jesus. I don't want to be a place where we found our friends, we found our community, we found what we need. Who cares about the rest of the world? We've got what we want. No. It's not, Jesus did not say, get a group of people and hide out until you die. He said, go and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them into all the world. And I'm with you in that. And I have all authority in that. And now God, he's opened, us, he's opened a door for us to take a significant step from Trail Ridge Middle School to a building that is our own home. And my fear, my fear in that is not that we can't pay the bills. I mean, that's a fear. That's legit. My real fear is that we'll become about ourselves. And we'll forget why we exist, and we'll forget that we exist to be on mission with Jesus and to announce the gospel into this world, the good news of the gospel, and to not just say we have a message for you, but we have a family for you. That's one reason why I'm here. The other is when, we, when Nathan and Tom and, and uh, Kevin, uh, who was, he, I almost made a joke that you wouldn't have gotten, um, Kevin, who was, was my boss before uh, Nathan took over his role, when they came to me, one of the things they did was they gave me a list of people who lived in Shawnee and Lenexa. Many of you who are on that list, many of you who weren't because you've come in the last three years. And when I saw that list of people, I believed there's a really unique community here of people who could create a church that's not about them. It's about Jesus and nothing else. No agendas. We're not going to fight over weird stuff. We're not going to be about our own things. We're going to be about Jesus and his mission in his gospel, I just saw a list of people. It's like, that. I wanna, that's who I want to do life with. 
And I believe we could create that community. And listen, we have a long way to go. We're never there because the goal is to be like Jesus. And if you are like Jesus now, you're not. <laughs> we got a long way to go. And yet I, I think that uh, I think my initial feeling that that list of people could create a unique community was right. And we've done it. We've made it. And now God is, is opening us up to a new step. And I hope, the, I hope this step isn't just exciting. I hope it makes you afraid because it, it lays more responsibility on all of us. And if your thought is, oh, I can do less now, nope. <laughs> no, we, we need more from you than ever before when we take this step because we have more work to do. There are more people who need gospel community. There's more people who need Jesus. And yet, like, all those things are, those are real fears, but I, like, I have, I have centered myself into Jesus' great commission in Matthew 28. And listen, this building may not be God's next step. I want to be clear. We think it is, but we're still, like, we're still open to God moving in a different direction. We, just, we want to do whatever God wants us to do. And if this is the right next step, and in the next few months we move from Trail Ridge into a building, we will be centered on Matthew 28, which is Jesus calling us to go into our neighborhoods and into our workplaces and into our locations, to be centered on him and him alone, what he's taught us, to, be, to obey that, to live that out in the midst of wherever he takes that, but more than anything, we're going to believe his promise that he has cosmic authority. And there are people in Shawnee, like he wants to, to give the gospel to, and he has every bit of authority to make that happen through us, through this church. And not just does he have the authority to make that happen, he's promised to be with us as we go on mission with him. And so I, listen, I don't want to live, I don't want to be a person who lives in fear, and I do a lot of times, like many of you. And so this morning and for the next two weeks, we are we're going to become people of bold faith. We are going to center ourselves of God's promises. We're going to look ahead and we're going to see whatever's in front of us. We're going to live out those promises, trusting them no matter the cost. Let's pray. Uh, Father, as I, as I think about this moment as a church, um, Lord, we, just, we need you. We don't need anything else but the Spirit of God working through, through your Son, Jesus, in us. And so God, first and foremost, we only want to be we only want to do what you call us to do. We don't want to take any steps that you wouldn't lead us in. And so God, um, would you direct our steps? We've made our plans, but you direct the steps. And so now as a congregation, as we enter into the next month of praying and questioning and thinking and asking, Father, direct our steps. We ask. In Jesus' name. Amen.